So good to be with you today. Thank you for that dramatic reading. It really enlivens the word. I'm grateful for that. I want to turn your attention to something in particular here in the text. Actually sits here at at, uh, verse 31. Give you a second to locate that. And their eyes were open and they recognized him. Do you want some of that? I do. That's exactly what I want. You give me that and I think I'm good. I want some of that. So here's the question. How do I obtain it? How does that happen? We're going to put a slide up here in just a little bit. I'm going to hold off on that for the time being. I want to kind of walk you through this passage in which Luke creates some context for us. And that context has to do with time and place. He tells us that it was on that day. There's the time. What day was that? It was the day that the women at the tomb discovered that the body of Jesus was no longer there and an angelic messenger declared to them that he had risen. That was the day. That was the time. And here's the place on the road to Emmaus, about seven miles south of Jerusalem. Be like walking from here to Nicholasville in a straight shot. You could do it in a couple hours. Now, your Bible may have a heading at the beginning of this section that says, on the road to Emmaus or something like that. What an unfortunate heading. Because that's just context. That's all it is. Really secondary to the story entirely. Something much more significant is happening here, and the significance comes in this key event when Jesus draws near. You want some of that? (laughs) And then the irony, that which we don't expect. Their eyes were kept from seeing him. Now, I taught language here for years, and I pay attention to grammar. You can ask my wife. She'll confirm that. But I don't like that passive voice structure there. Their eyes were kept from seeing them. Who's doing the keeping? Who's doing the obfuscating? I don't even know what that word means. I shouldn't use it. Who's preventing it from happening? Obfuscate, obfuscate. That wasn't in the script, obviously. Nevertheless, they fail to recognize who Jesus is, even though he's standing right. And you can sort of see this happening, right? They're walking along. We, we learn that they're kind of downtrodden. They're probably not going very fast. Jesus is coming up behind them, eventually overtakes them, and appears to be going on, but they stop him. And they enter into this conversation. And we see this event take place, this conversation that causes them to stop dead in their tracks. And the text says that as they stood still, they were looking sad. Now, if we ended the story right there, that would be a a pretty unsatisfying ending, wouldn't it? 
But the story doesn't end, it goes on. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to skip down just a little bit. Here's a little exercise I like to do when I'm reading scripture and I'm really reading for significance. I I like to take things in it and pull them out to see what happens if that isn't there, whether it's a passage or an event or the introduction of a person or maybe just a detail. What if we took the middle part of this passage out? What we would find is, in effect, a reversal, a complete reversal, in which those eyes that had been kept from seeing were, in fact, opened. And those disciples who failed to recognize Jesus do, in fact, recognize him. And ironically, just as Jesus appears, so too he vanishes. What's up with that? Do you know the movie Nanny McPhee? When you need me but don't want me, that's when I, I come and, 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 you know, and all. It sort of calls that to mind here. Just when they recognize him, he disappears. This raises an exegetical question. And I don't know what to do with that. And then we see the scene closing with another contextual marker by Luke in which he says, not that very day, but that very hour. So the time has dialed in and the location of the context is also reversed. They arrived at Emmaus. It was close to evening. They invite Jesus in for a meal. They have a meal. And after their meal with Jesus, they decide to make the two-mile hike back to, I mean, back to Jerusalem. That's a good one, wasn't it? So we've got this going in, and we've got this coming out. And the gap in that space in the middle separates eyes that don't recognize from eyes that do recognize. My question is, what happened in the middle? Because whatever happened in the middle is what reverses these affairs. If we want to get to recognizing Jesus, we've got to pay attention to what happens in the middle. And I would suggest that there are, in fact, two key events that have to happen to get us to this conclusion. Number one, Jesus interpreted the scripture to them. They knew it, but they didn't understand it. The Greek word underlying this word interpret is diermenuo, diermenuo. And a form of that word gives us the English word hermeneutics, right? Which is the study of interpretation, principles of interpretation. So, so that's the first thing that happens is that in that space between Jesus interprets the word for them. And secondly, this also has to happen. They have the experience of sitting at table fellowship with Jesus. Those two things. And I want to really highlight the importance of these two things. And, and that second thing, we're, we're going we're to experience that here in just a bit, was as Jesus breaks bread and he blesses it. The Greek word there is eulageo, which is the word that gives us, interestingly, eulogy, which is a word of blessing. And that, in our case, over a, a person, in this case, over, well, another person. Notice the importance of both 
the knowledge of God and Scripture and the experience of Jesus. I would submit to you that those disciples could no more recognize Jesus by pulling one of those events out than we could have an Oreo cookie by removing either the crunchy cookie outside or the white creamy filling on the inside. It takes both to make an Oreo. It takes both events to reach, to reach that capacity of recognizing Jesus. If our eyes are kept from recognizing Jesus, and mine are sometimes, maybe oftentimes. If we're stuck in despair instead of having our hearts on fire, and mine is sometimes stuck in despair, oftentimes, then it may be that we're firing on only one cylinder. What do you mean by that, Brad? I mean that we're only playing to one of the two avenues available to us. And in fact, there are more. Any Wesleyan will know that. Any Wesleyan worth his or her salt will know that. But we're looking at, looking at two today. The dimensions of, of the cognitive life and the dimensions of the affective life, or said differently, the intellectual life versus the experiential life. Let me offer to you what I think are, are two common pitfalls in the Christian life. One of those is striving to know about Jesus without knowing him. Do you know anyone like that? I've been to meetings of professional organizations committed to studying the Bible. They get excited about knowing about the Bible, but really have, any, have no interest in knowing the one to whom the Bible points. In fact, it's tacitly understood that you don't talk about that part of it. That's the nature of biblical studies today as a guild. Second, the second pitfall that I see sometimes is our striving to know Jesus without knowing about him. As if to say, it's just me and Jesus. My experience of him is all I need. And that concerns me. And it sort of brings me to this point today as we talk as a, as a community gathered to prepare ourselves for ministry. I'm concerned about knowledge that is separated from an authentic encounter with Jesus himself. And I'm likewise concerned about an experience of Jesus that is untempered by our knowledge. I'm going to share with you an error that happens in seminary, and I know this because I've walked this journey for a long time, a long time. And that is this, that is separating the life of our minds from the life of our hearts. Thinking that these are two different domains and never the two shall meet. Separating one's academic life from one's devotional life. So I teach a course here with high frequency, and recently, in fact, this summer, one of the students in my vocation of ministry course posted a comment to a discussion forum in response to a discussion we'd been having about this idea. And he said, you know, when I did my, my undergraduate work, I was specifically told at a Christian university 
to not let my academic life interfere with my devotional life. Amen. Um, I don't think that's heresy, but I think it's problematic. Uh, and I see this routinely with not just students, but, but in my own life, this idea that there are really these two domains when in fact there is no division between what we think and what we feel. There ought not be. There is no separation. There is no bifurcation. We are called to be one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is how many? And ought we also not be one unified being whose experience in our hearts informs the life of our mind and whose intellectual pursuits informs the experiences of our hearts. Could not hand and heart go hand in hand, saith Asbury Seminary? That's one of the things that drew me here. It's one of the things that has kept me here, is avoiding that error. When we come to Jesus, we come with all we got. We come to him with our whole being, And when we bring all of we got, only then will we begin to really recognize Jesus and to have our hearts set ablaze. Are you okay with that? Do you want some of that? Do you really want some of that? I do. When you crack the books for a homework assignment, Give glory to God. What a grand and glorious opportunity to encounter the living presence of the risen Lord. That's no chore. That's an invitation to know him better, to love him better, to experience him in his fullness. Whether you're writing a paper or reading a book or attending a lecture, even if you're attending a small group meeting, oh, dear God, small group meetings. Do it to the glory of God so that all that we do and all that we are reflect his goodness forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Let's sing.